Welcome to the space where creators have aligned A positive and intellectual collab of open minds For sharing and learning from one another, it's a vibe We give us a podcast on the mic Subscribe, educators, spitting bars I guess you didn't know I'm multifaceted and humble Taking off life goals The classroom is my comfort zone Where I plant and sow Seeds of knowledge, compassion, empathy and hope Reading is the key to unlocking your potential Countless benefits including cognitive and mental Regardless of the genre, books are highly influential Go get yours, I'll get mine Make you strive Monumental Come rock with me and get down to this new jam friends, I had a very simple plan Educate the masses through books and life lessons It's the Grand Slam I'm out Kia ora and welcome to the Reads with Russell podcast Today's guest is renowned for traditional Maori weaving He is an artist and cultural practitioner Welcome to the show, Hone Bailey I'm excited. Man, it's so good to see you. How have you been? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, Things are looking up this year. Mm. Um, So I'm excited about that. Excited um, for the possibility of um, more work and exploration Mm. within my work and yeah socially and all of that so yeah i mean you know borders are opening up i mean i feel like everyone opened up in japan is still we're still here yeah we're still here we're We're waiting patiently we're so patient forever patient waiting for the state of emergency to you know open up and 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 all that so i feel like the world's gone on without us and we're slowly getting to that point so i'm excited to hear about that journey that is yes. to come for you this year. Me but too. before, um, yeah, before we get into it, um, if you could please uh, introduce yourself, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, my name is Hone Bailey, um, or Johnny. Some people call me Johnny. Um, yeah, I'm from Aotearoa. Um, um, my iwi is Tufaretoa. Um, many other iwi affiliations, but um, I was raised to Faretua. And um, I grew up actually in Waikato until uh, I was about 13, and then my whanau moved to Hawaii. Mm. So that's where my family, some of my family live still today. So yeah and that's a basic <laughs> that's cool that's cool we'll get into that um more yeah. uh, throughout the interview and so do you, you still have Fano in uh Aotearoa uh in the Waikato yep, yep. and Waikato okay. Taupo Turangi yeah mm. have you been back there um I mean obviously pre-COVID um when was the last time you were back in Aotearoa yeah so 2019 was the last time I was home and I typically frequent, like, go back frequently mm. um, two or three times a year. Um, mm. But when COVID happened, that mm. sort of all stopped. And um, I'm actually getting ready to go in a couple of weeks. So I, I'm excited. I am nervous <laughs> as mm. to, like, whether it will actually happen. I mean, there's just that nervousness, like, anything could happen. But... Yeah, so 2019 was the last time. That was three years ago. Mm. Um, I can't really believe that it's been that long. 
Um, but yeah, so quite a while. Yeah, and you know, honestly, like the other day, we're we're just think we're talking about that. We're like, man, three years it passed so quickly. Um, you know, and especially with my students who are now seniors, they've lived through the pandemic. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. it's so crazy. It is crazy. Um, man, unbelievable. So, yeah unbelievable exactly you know so i was thinking about your craft your art you know mm -hmm. maori weaving like where was that something you picked up in school like um you know back in aotearoa like where does that love for maori weaving come from what was that first point where you were like this is something that i absolutely treasure and love yeah so i i grew up in kohanga reo and at mm. that time um te reo maori was sort of growing um within uh, the school system mm. um and so after kohanga reo i went to a we were in a rumaki program which is like an immersion unit within a mainstream school um so i was pretty much raised in te ao Māori within that context. Um, so kapahaka was a large sort of part of that and that's where you see things. Well, for me, that's where I saw things. So like pew pew and the pari, mm. the tatua, the, you know, the belts and the, the costumes. Um, so that's sort of like my earliest memories of really like um being sort of taken by those textiles that i saw um performing i do remember early on as a kid um like our our teachers would teach us little things like weaving mm. a headband or you know we did tuku tuku so I do remember little things like what what little things kids can do. Mm. Um, I remember being in awe of a pew pew because I used to think like, wow, it's so special. Mm. Um, and, you know, not everyone had access to pew pew. Like sometimes kapahaka groups would... Um, you know, wear other things, but not a pew pew. Not everyone could either afford them or mm. no one knew anyone who made them. So my family actually did have a pew pew. So, you know, I just remember thinking they're so beautiful and I wanted to own one and wear one mm. one day. So then who was your first teacher that then started teaching you like the, the weaving and you know, did you yeah. have one person in your family that kind of like took you under their wing and started showing <laughs> you that? No, I actually really wished that were the case at that time mm. in my life. So I was about 14 when I really knew mm. that that's something that I wanted to do. And it's something that I could do. I knew mm. I sort of discovered that my hands love doing these sorts of things, creating and especially things. Um, that were traditionally Maori, mm. I felt sort of like this connection to that and wanting 
to be in touch with that Modi, that I don't know how to explain. Yeah, that Modi of weaving. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I would wish and sort of dream that someone, you know, I'd meet someone and they'd sort of take me under their wing and, you know, teach me, but that never happened. Mm. And, um, but I continued to pursue it. I continued to believe in it, mm. believe in this journey and this calling, this pull for me to, um, to be connected to this art form. So, um, books, um, were the first, was the first thing. So my dad came home one day, he, my dad is Pākehā and I don't know how he knew, you know, or picked up on it, but he bought home a book, um, from the library and it was a book called Māori Weaving. And so I would follow this book and, you know, just study it and try to, you know, do what the diagrams are showing. And a lot of the times I couldn't interpret the, like the, in, the instructions. Mm. Um, I'm a visual learner, you know, yeah. and I can pick up things quickly if I see someone doing it, but reading is, was so difficult for me. Um, so the next sort of part or the next sort of, um, component of my story like happened um so in hawaii there is a marae there and oh. there's quite a lot of maori who reside there because of mm. the polynesian cultural center so um me and my very close friend um childhood friend uh we would on the weekends go and jump the fence into the cultural <laughs> center <laughs> to <laughs> to hang out with the Maori yeah. kids and to, yeah. you know, sort of be around that. Um, and there were two aunties. Um, they knew my parents and um, they would sit on at, at the Wharepuni on, you know, on the front of the Wharepuni and they would do cross stitch and um, mainly cross stitch and poi, mm. things like that. So I would just go and sit and watch them and um, they didn't mind that. They didn't mind me sitting there. I didn't ask any questions. For me, like growing up the way I did, I have older parents. Mm. Um, so like I grew up like you don't ask questions. You don't like annoy people. You just sit there, you watch, you listen. And that's just what I did. And they let me do it and they would, I wouldn't ask them blatantly, can you show me? Right. But, you know, I'm sort of like inching my way, you know, to, <laughs> yeah. you know, give signs that, you mm. know, I want to learn. So I'd say I learned, you know, cross stitch and things like mm. that through them. And um, I just loved what they did. And they nurtured me quietly and not sort of directly. But I feel like they were leaving, you know, planting seeds in me mm. without really, you know, and I think that is a real Māori thing to do, you know, to, to allow the student the freedom to 
to grow and you know offering them sort of nurturing them on the side you know mm. and i i do i understand why that is now that i've sort of been doing this for a long time now it's because you know it is a very it's a very hard path to follow it requ requires a lot of time and commitment to it and um honing your skills on your own you know so mm. yeah that's sort of the beginning of it um yeah I was thinking about the transition from moving, you know, moving from Aotearoa to Hawaii. Um, yeah. And you said, you know, there were other Māori there. Like, was that transition difficult for you? Or was it just nice that there was, you know, there was kind of like, you know, uh, you, I don't know, did you feel connected right away when you arrived in Hawaii? Was it, was it difficult? Were there other... Were there a lot of people speaking um, the real, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Were yeah. you in that environment or you just happened to come across the cultural centre and that's kind of where you really... Yeah, so we, you know, I was actually really sad to leave because we were so... Uh, me and my younger sister were so um, involved in our... in Te Ao Māori through our kura, through our school. Mm. And that was like our family. It was like our whanau. And so we we're really, really sad to leave. And um, and honestly, we had some, <laughs> some negative thoughts about, you know, sort of coming to Hawaii. And <clears throat> negative in that, you know, like, it's not home. Mm. You know. So, but when we got there, I was lucky that I had had a friend who I grew up with in New Zealand, who mm. had moved there previously. Mm. And so for me, it was a bit easier um, for that reason. But little did we know anything about it. And, you know, the community that we moved into is, has a huge Polynesian population, a lot of Maori, a lot of everything. Mm. So that was really eye-opening um, because in New Zealand, where we lived, it's either Māori or Pākehā. Mm. And, you know, it's predominantly Pākehā. So that was like, wow, this is like so different. And um, I, I've mentioned this before, growing up in New Zealand, I remember like my older siblings, you know, um, they would always say like, you know, we're not we're not Pacific Islanders or like mm. older people. And so coming to Hawaii like that, you know, all of these things, you know, that we, that we would say in New Zealand were like mm. shattered. Right. Like, no, we are, we actually mm. are. And you see that when you sort of live amongst each other and you realize mm. like you're so similar. Um, so I think it was easy. It was mm. easy, easier than I thought to really connect. Um, but I think the challenge has always been retaining, you know, who we are as Maori. Mm. And so like we did have a, you know, it was good that we had other peers from, from New Zealand there as well. But um, yeah, not, not a lot of 
not a lot of Maori spoke te reo. Like these two aunties, mm. they did. Um, but other than them, not a lot of Maori. Oh, maybe the older. Yeah, there mm. was maybe like a couple, a handful of kaumatua that spoke Maori. Mm. But the, you know, everyone else didn't. Um, so that was sort of different for me because I was a mm. young kid who did grow up speaking Māori and there really wasn't anyone around for me to speak to. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah I, was, I was going to say, so then how did you keep up the reo? How did you I keep up the language? <laughs> so like all these years? I'm, yeah, I think my reo in terms of speaking definitely diminished a lot and mm. has diminished over the years um, because of not speaking but i've never lost my ability to understand um te reo. Mm. i don't know why i don't know how mm. <laughs> i do like wow that's crazy but yeah i've just never lost it i've never forgotten cool so i'm um, grateful for that i was thinking about uh, how you initially started learning of the aunties and I was wondering about the process of choosing the right plant for weaving like mm. because that also would have been a learning factor right yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that yeah it's one thing to watch but then when did you realize actually there's certain plants that are better for this or better for that so I was like much older in my journey. I was in my 20s when I learned that. When I was in Hawaii and I was sort of self-guiding. Mm. <laughs> um, the two aunties never wove with natural fibers. Um. So it was mainly like wool and things like that. So I would um, follow this book and I would go and use what people in, in, in the Pacific Islands use. So it's mainly pandanus. So that's what I would go and use. And so I learned a lot about that, and it's very different to Harakeke. Mm. Um, but it is very similar to other plants. You know, so I'm in my, um, you know, I go through my teenage years, I move to New York, I go to school, I realize that that's not the school for me. Mm. Um, and then I move home to go to a Māori art school. And this is where I am I really learn about the materials. Mm. Um, so my teacher at this time, who is my first, my first real teacher in terms of um, weaving, mm. um, Tina Wirihana. And so while I'm there, um, I'm just exposed to like this, you know, huge spectrum of weaving materials that Māori used and, you know, growing up, you know, you people only know like harakeke, mm. but there's tons, there's tons of fibres that um, Māori used and a lot of them are very, are related to plants that are used in other Pacific Islands, so yeah so anyways when it comes to harakeke and choosing the right harakeke you know um maori have a vast knowledge of harakeke 
our ancestors had a vast understanding of their properties and you know they're not all the same like they, our ancestors were scientists <laughs> you know they had a name for everything they knew what they were good for they knew mm. everything about them um and that's probably become one of my most favorite things about weaving i love nature i love plants i absolutely love plants i love learning how beneficial they are and how each variety is so different and um how our ancestors capitalized on those different properties for their survival and for their you know to make their lives easier mm. um so i mainly weave muka muka is the fiber and um so that is a particular kind of um harakeke and um there's numerous varieties of them and like they're all used for different things mm. you know some fibers are long some fibers are stronger than others some fibers um can can be um processed to become very white and silky you know so depending on what you're making whether you're making something very de decorative and beautiful and soft or are you making something um practical and sturdy and you know meant to be long lasting and worn and used so you know i love all of this i, mm. I absolutely love all of this and it sort of helps me realize mm. how amazing and incredible our ancestors were um you know that we were so intelligent and it's weird to say that but i have to say it because we are sort of raised around people who say things that belittle us mm. and you know native savage you know uneducated you know so learning these things about our ancestors really um shuts down all of those things we hear growing up you know or absorb subliminal subliminally from you know our colonizers mm. and um you know really uplifts our own thinking of ourselves so so one of the that's one of those things that does it for me you know learning really in depth about mm. about these art forms you know i've heard you say that it is a way of life mm. right it is a way of life so um and you've already alluded to it in a way um when we think about you know traditional maori practices and beliefs like how do you continue to incorporate that not just in your art, but in your everyday life, you know, things that you do, um, perhaps spaces that you move in. Mm. You know, it's, it takes intention to do so. And it's always our capacity to do more grows as we do it more. Um, so actually during the pandemic has been a really excuse me amazing opportunity for me to really um 
in contrast to before the pandemic, you know, it was mainly my livelihood. Mm. Um, what I do, you know, it's, it's mainly applied to like my livelihood, you know, but during the pandemic, I said, you know, I don't want this to just be my livelihood. I want this to be, you know, my life and everyday life. Mm. I want what I do to be reflected in all things that I do and not just in certain aspects or spaces that mm. exist in my life. So either a class or a wānanga or, um, you know, like spaces like that, you know, we got to be more intentional and if, if our, if te ao Māori is going to be embraced fully by our people, like it takes us to, you know, make that decision to, you know, sort of bring it more into our everyday life and not into just these sort of spaces, temporary mm. spaces. Mm. Um, so during the pandemic, I made a decision like, hey, like <laughs> I didn't own anything that I made. You know, I didn't have anything of my own that I've even made that I've owned. Everything was sort of made for other people. So I was like, you know, I'm going to, I, you know, when people come to my house, I want them to say like, oh, okay, this looks like Hone would live here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not like, oh, it's, it's empty. There's yeah. no weaving. There's no art. There's, there's nothing. So during the pandemic, I said, you know, I'm not going to take any more work. It was a good time for me to just focus on me and build my own space, my sanctuary, a place that is a reflection of who I am inside. Um, so that's what I've been doing. And I still feel like, you know, this isn't enough. <laughs> this isn't enough for me you know, like in embracing and sort of like living, living my dream, really living, living who I am. So, you know, little by little though, you know, and I think it's sort of like, it's the same as weaving. You just got to do it. It doesn't matter mm. how much it is, but the more you do it, the more you can do, the more productive you are, the more, you know, the better at it you get. So this is new for me, sort of um, making things for my everyday life. Yeah. You know, not just making it to be an art piece to hang on my wall, but actually use them, use the things that I'm making. Um, and another aspect of that is te reo. So not just using te reo in these spaces, you know, actually every day using, you know, speaking, speaking the deal and, um, yeah, being more intentional, you know. I love it. I love it. Oh, man, so inspirational. Um, weaving, you know, weaving, you do fashion design, um, mm. you design, you make clothes that you wear now with the pandemic, yeah. you know, um, handmade threads, hats, quilts upholstery i mean you are yeah, yeah you are not just and that's i guess that's what i want people to realize is that you're not 
like incorporating you know your beliefs and these traditional practices and just like you're more than just this amazing weaver you know you you I guess everything interweaves in your life right but it, it just kind of brings it back to that that core up anyway yeah it's serious right like you know what I mean it's here. just it starts, so cool like yeah it starts inside it starts with mm. our intentions inside and it radiates outwards mm. but yep sewing you know they're all in they're all interconnected you know mm. but the sewing the sewing i did is from my mum. um my mum grew you know i grew up my mum's sewing and making everything and you know it's just the era you know right. they did everything so yeah you know um just to break a little bit from the, you know, the uh, the art and the design and things that mm -hmm. you create, I was wondering about Maori performance. Mm. Um, you know, what is a favorite waiata that you have? And I know there's probably way too many, probably like you can't decide, but if there was one that kind of speaks to you, that is always kind of, that's your go-to waiata, what would that be? Um, I mean, that's a hard question. I have so many <laughs> favorites, but one that I've taught people over the years um, is Hekakano, Hekakano Aho. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful song that reminds us of who, who we are and where mm. we come from and our the greatness we come from, mm. you know, and it's it's easy to sometimes you know in this world you know as maori as minorities as indigenous people it's easy to sort of um lose sight um of who we who we actually are um so i i love that song it's an incredible song it's a you know the the composition of the song lyrically and you know the composition musically um is just always gonna be a, a legendary song <laughs> okay and then in terms of um actual performance do you have a favorite you know dance <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, know, I mean you know is it like oh, so i mean you know like because you are a performer you know you yeah you, so, sing, you do everything mm -hmm. so what is yeah Your actually favorite. more theater is my favorite mm. it's i love the traditional chant more theater is is the traditional chant um that's my favorite to listen to mm. and to watch um you know i love all of it but that is really my i've loved more theater since i was a kid mm. i love performing more theater it's my actual yeah favorite thing okay i want to talk about your um correct me because i might be saying this wrong um your bag of kaikaha kaikaha your bag Maori yeah. word for scraps right yeah so, so I to, yeah, yeah I, I um tell me about this you know what it is and how you don't you use everything you don't want to waste anything that yeah. you, you you know so tell us a little bit about that 
Yeah, well, that's, you know, that goes back to, you know, the sort of, um, what's the word? You know, the values and mm. morals that we grew up learning as kids, mm. Māori. You know, you don't waste anything. Mm. You, you know, you look after everything you have. You, you never waste anything. Mm. So it goes back to that, and that's one of the aspects of weaving you know, that connects to weaving as well. You know, you never waste anything. It's a taonga, mm. you know. So these resources are are precious, you know, and it, um, you don't mistreat or, um, what's the word? You don't disregard, um, the tikanga, which means like the practices or the protocol um, or the ways that we harvest them or the methods that we use to collect them. You don't disregard the tikanga, which is take only what you need mm. um, and you look after the plants, you care for the plants as you're harvesting them and, um, you know, you take great care in and you're harvesting of them. And when you take those resources, you also do the same. You you look after them and you don't waste them. Because if you waste mm. the resources, you're going to go back again, get some more. And you're, you know, that is not caring for them. That is, mm. that is misusing them. And, you know, plants need to be nurtured and allowed time to regenerate and regrow. So we have all of these protocols. So, you know, this sort of goes back to, you know, kids, you know, mm. kids, you learn this. And um, so I have this bag, you know, that I collect all the off cuts um, when I'm weaving. And I, some people might say it's like, they're like, it's sort of hoarding. And I'm like, it's not, <laughs> it's not right. hoarding whatsoever. Right. Right. Um, yes, I do have. <laughs> these bags of like <laughs> you know short weaving mm. fibers but uh, also i live in a place where i don't have access every right you know i so i look after them and i um my first teacher tina you know she would she would give me all sorts of bags of you know muka which is the fibers that had already been prepared and whatever and so she never wasted that and she like offered them to me, which I thought was so, you know, kind, you know, absolutely kind of her. Cause you know, I didn't have access to all of these things mm. when I was learning. So anyway, so I have this bag of scraps and if I can use them in some way, you know, I'm going to do it. And yes, it takes a lot of time where I could be like, spending time actually making bigger things or you know fancy things but it's important for me to mm. use what i have to the best of my abilities and um never waste it never 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 it's so precious i get it, it i was makes gonna sense. say i do the same thing with fabric so i do the right. same thing with fabric mm. yeah so living in Japan, how has that changed? Um, you've already mentioned, you know, 
you don't have access to certain resources. So how has your creative process changed in terms of living here in Japan? Well, I'll, I'll, I'm lucky because I have quite a large, uh, what's the word, collection of mm. fibers that I've collected over the years. So I haven't been, I actually have the op opposite problem. I'm like, I need to use all of this. I'm, it's mm. too much. <laughs> I need to make space. Um, but, you know, they have harakiki here and... Mm. Um, so that's been awesome to see, um, but we haven't been able to go out really and mm. sort of do that. They have, you know, ropo, which is another weaving plant. Um, I, when I came here, I wanted to sort of interact more with, you know, traditional um, textile makers, um, but that hasn't happened and mm. that's okay. So I stick to my, you know, stick to my path and, keep going and keep making and um yeah i'm lucky that i have i have the resources ready to use mm. um but um i am definitely inspired by japanese culture and how traditional i've sort of spoken about this on my instagram mm. how traditional japanese culture is still prevalent in everyday life you know, right. in everyday life, traditional Japanese culture is is a part of, you know, everything. You see it everywhere, you know. And I'm like, I'm inspired by that because as Māori, that's not always, you know, it's, we could do more. I'm like, you know, I could do more to bring our traditional culture into everyday life. So that's something that I've taken on for myself. Yeah, because because yeah. I saw that you recently made a is it a hunting hunting yeah. traditional you know um a, a piece of clothing uh traditional piece of clothing from the Edo period right that yeah. was cool uh, that was yeah. really cool and have you I mean have you made other um you know what other types of Japanese clothing have inspired you or do you know oh, kind of get you all of it all of it inspires mm. me but i am careful like i'm like mm. i'm not gonna try and like copy them i'd love to actually learn from someone right. you know but i'm like as a maker i'm like okay well i really want a hunt in nothing mm. comes in my size here, so <laughs> right. you have to I make have it to yourself make, <laughs> have to make it myself you know so i'm making it the way that i can make it but i'd love mm. to actually learn properly how they make it Mm. Um, but at the same time, like I don't want to be like just making Japanese things and mm. pretending like I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That was just something for myself. But I'd love, you know, what I'd really love is to actually learn from mm. from actual Japanese. But mm. you know, I can be inspired, and I'm I'm very cautious because a lot of artists you know do this and i have no problem with it but for me i'm mm. careful that i you know just because i'm here in japan doesn't mean i'm going to like you know adopt japanese things you know mm. i'm i'm maori i know who i am and you know i can appreciate japanese things and be inspired by right. them but i don't 
necessarily feel like I need to, you know, wear a kimono mm. or like, <laughs> but this, I do like <laughs> the hunting. I think right. that was something that I really liked because, you know, it's a practical thing in the winter. Yeah. And they're cool. I think. They're yeah, cool. absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I was wondering about, um, you've mentioned not um, having a lot of your own work, you know, yeah. but now you're working on that. But do you collect pieces of art from other artists that inspire you or that you kind of look up to? Like, do you have a collection of um, maybe in storage, if not here in Japan? Yeah, no, I actually, I do. Um and they're mainly from very close friends. Mm. You know, I don't, not that I wouldn't like to own pieces <laughs> by people that I'm inspired by, but right. I really cherish my friendships and people mm. that have come into my life and are special to me. So for me, I I do have pieces by, by people like that. Mm. Um, and yeah do you want like yeah so yes i do that's cool yes, I okay do. yeah i was wondering about that i was like oh, i wonder if he has it in storage maybe not here in japan but yeah in storage no somewhere. i do they're in my they're in my house mm. and i you know i it's important for me to always remember my connections to people mm. and why they're special to me mm. i think the greatest I get asked this a lot, actually. Like, who am I inspired by? Who inspires me as an artist? And actually, I'm not really inspired by work. Mm. I'm inspired by people. I'm inspired by their stories. I'm inspired by their examples. You know, good people who, mm. who sort of inspire me to be good. You know, a good person and, mm. you know, kind and generous, like, that is a huge thing for me. Kindness and generosity is important in, in this art form, I believe. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I do actually like that's one of the most asked questions mm. from people. And I'm like, actually, you know, I'm not like, yes, I am. Like, I am inspired by people's work. But the most inspiring thing to me is like just people. I appreciate your honesty. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, I was wondering. I, I, I saw that, and was it twenty sixteen? You you were in a wearable. You were one of eight oh, yeah. artists that were part of that wearable arts show, and you got to showcase some of you know like fashion design. Um, have yeah. you done a lot of um, shows like that, or was that really mm. kind of like your first? Um, yeah. Yeah, um, so that was the first one of that, you know, mm. sort of like that. So that was like a, that was in Hawaii and it was for, mm. and mainly Hawaiian, but, you know, it was, um, there were invitations to other Pacific or Indigenous artists to, or designers to showcase some work. So that was my first time doing that. Um, but I had in New Zealand in 2011 and 2012, 
I believe that I um, was a part of like a fashion competition, mm. um, Pacifica, style Pacifica, which was in Manuko. Mm. And another one was Cult Couture, which was also in, in Auckland as well. Mm. <clears throat> so a couple times, um, yeah, it was really exciting, really awesome to sort of apply traditional um, traditional techniques to modern, uh, you know, the modern form. Mm -hmm. um, but it's something I want to do more of. Yeah, definitely something I want to do more of. But what people don't realize <laughs> with fashion is it, it is a lot of work. It is, right. It is a lot of work to hand make things. And my 2016, um, that was Mamo, that's what, mm. the, um, what the event was called. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to really prepare for that. And my two little hands could only make so much. So it wasn't, definitely was not something that I am like, you know, I stand upon and like, you know, this is my work, but mm. you know, I was happy to do it. You know, it was great to do it. But one good thing that came out of that event <laughs> were these pew pew earrings that became really popular, like, mm. I, and I didn't even like, you know, when I made them, I was just like, they were just an accessory for my runway. And you know, I gave away all the pairs and like, here, yeah, have them. I'm yeah. like, not really thinking of selling them, mm. but they sort of like, you know, spread and other people were inspired by them and created, um, you know, their own versions of them. Mm. And, you know, you'll see them all around even still today. I have, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of things to do. And, you know, so that's on my list. It's so right. low down on my list of things that I spend time making. But mm. I'm really proud of that. And I'm I'm happy that people love them. So at least, you know, some one good thing came out of it. I was wondering, um, you know, what are some challenges? Oh, maybe you, you don't have any, but what are some challenges mm -hmm. that you face Um bringing your art to new people, uh, like bringing your work to new audiences and, uh, you know, mm. navigating those spaces that perhaps is like, well, this is out of my comfort zone. Like for you, what are some challenges or have been some challenges of any, if any? Oh, honestly, I don't even think of it. I don't mm -hmm. think about other people. Mm. I know it's weird to say, but I don't. I think about, you know, what I like and what, you know, what edifies me. Mm. I don't really place it. I have in the past. I have in the past, you know, and, you know, for me, it's a rep reclamation of this art form for myself. Mm. You know, I started this art form because there was a connection to me. You know, it had nothing to do with, you know, what other p 
people think mm. of it for whether they like it and mm. in my journey i have definitely um had or experienced that where i'm you know everyone has to sell themselves you know sell mm. you know their creations and you know we want them to be received and to you know for people to admire the work that has gone into it and the thought but at this stage in my life and my career as an as a artist a weaver textile maker like mm. it's it's something i don't actually really think about mm. that much um you know i love it when people love it and if people don't i understand you know because art has to speak deeper to people mm. and it's not going to speak deeply to everyone you know it can't speak deeply to everyone everyone is so different and everyone is looking for this deep connection to something and mm. i guess it's not always about everyone it's about you know even just one person so uh, but one way that i like to sort of appeal to people or share with people mm. is the process is the process and the time and the the craft that goes into something um beyond words it's beyond words so mm. you know um, making videos has been a huge part of my journey in, mm. in sort of building building connections with people um, it's not something i've done lately um, but it is something i definitely love i'm personally i am drawn to processes that's my favorite part of creating is how things are made and and mm. what goes into it so i've yeah that's really connected me to to a lot of people is it difficult for you to put a price on your work i mean i know we've talked about you know part of it is your livelihood but now you know you've kind of moved and you've it's bigger now right it's, it's there's a bigger part to it so i was wondering how difficult it is for you to put a price on your work i mean like you seem like someone who's just so comfortable in what you do and you're just kind of like meh this is what it's gonna be. you know you're like do you, do you know what i mean like no I'm, yeah. I'm, this is how it's gonna depends. be i'm not gonna stress about it you know what i mean like yeah no it it really depends like, i don't have a mm. problem putting prices on it but there are things that mm. come into play um if you're you know if you're selling it on an online store you know it's easy to just put a price on it right if you're you know if your mate comes <laughs> if your family member right. comes <laughs> you know it's i mean i can still put a price on it but you know there are other things to take into account Mm. oh you know i really love my cousin you know yeah this you know i really hate this cousin so yeah. i'm gonna i'm just kidding yeah. i'm just kidding i'm kidding you know no no no, no yeah. so like there's all of these contexts mm. also when you're commissioned to do mm. something like you know commission being commissioned for right. a specific project 
mm. um, is a little bit more is harder because mm. you know um, you're working with someone to create perhaps their vision of what mm. they would want um, and the time and you know because they don't know what it takes to create something they know what they want and what it right. what they want it to look like but to say like um well that color you know like that color dye like it's actually really hard to get mm. so you know like this is what it would take so you know pricing it pricing it and being able to like explain to them why some people don't care some people are like oh yeah i trust you that's cool other people are like can you ex like wait why why is that mm. <laughs> you know so that's sort of hard to do um so the quit the answer would be you know it's not really black and white yes if you have right. a shop easy if you have a shop, there's no, you know, there's no like comment, like, wait, why is this price? This? Like the price is the price, you know, you buy it, you don't. But um, there's a lot of other ways that, you know, we have to be open to other ways of buying our work that we need to be open to as well. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's always, it is always different, I feel um also as an artist you know sometimes maybe you're you want to just get rid of something like you know i just want it to sell you know right. i've had it for a little while i want it to sell or maybe you're okay with you know it not selling mm -hmm. you know maybe you're maybe you're waiting for the right person you know i do know people like that you know it's really important to them that their pieces actually go to people that they can connect with you know so mm. it's it's it, it's very what's the word it's not black and white right yeah um but no i don't i don't have a problem putting in it i don't have a problem talking price yeah mm. that's good to know i used yeah. to yes i used <laughs> yeah. to i used to yeah. Mm. Um, I was wondering, you know, I imagine just like outside of commission work when you are creating these personal pieces, mm -hmm. are there pieces that bring more joy or maybe sadness? Or I I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you, is it mood that kind of like, you know, is that? I don't know what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, I get what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, because I, I just, I wonder about, you know, just the, the blood, sweat, and tears. That's dramatic, I know. But, yeah. you know, as an artist, no, it, it goes into every piece. Because I feel like you're, like, perfection, part of it, like, those little intricate designs to a piece. Like, I wonder about just that, how much of yourself you you know that goes into that and are there times when it's totally draining or do you are there times when you there's just so much joy that you just can't you know like mm. yeah it's definitely an emotional um process mm. you know it's not like yeah i'm gonna make this thing you know 
I'm just going to go through it and do it. And, you know, maybe some people do that. Um, personally, I, I have to get in the zone. I have to be in a space where I'm just fully, my thoughts are on that piece. Mm. Um, so I pretty much work piece by piece. I try not to, I have during the pandemic for myself, <laughs> you know, worked on multiple things at the same mm. time, but typically I just work on one project at a time. I don't sort of overlap projects. Mm. And that's so that I can be, you know, fully mentally in, you know, thinking about what I'm creating and, and that it is, that it connects to the person, you know, who it's for. Mm. Um, so, you know, it definitely is an emotional thing. And I, I believe it is a spiritual thing as well, because, you know, you're being sort of led. Like in the process, sometimes I receive inspiration randomly um, when I least expect it. Um, and so, you know, you have to be open and in a space where you can receive that guidance you know, we're talking about ancestral art, mm. you know, it's not, you know, like it's more than art. It's, this is genealogy. This is, um, this is something spiritual that has been passed down to someone. Um, so like having that in your hands and being able to like create for that purpose, um, you have to be sort of in tune to to those things like you don't know really when a person contacts you you don't know like they're not explaining every single thing mm -hmm. you know they're just saying like you know i'm looking for this and that and you know they'll give you a dialogue about you know sometimes more than others but you know there are other things deeper that are happening here and um you sort of have to tap into that and as the artist, as the person who holds the knowledge of creating this or embodying, creating something that embodies everything that the person is looking for or needs, um, and not just for them, but for their posterity, you know, because it's something that they'll pass on as well. So, you know, a lot of emotion and spiritual energy is mm. is put into this and um yes when i'm finished with it it's hard to say goodbye mm. it's hard to other people other artists don't like and i've heard this like don't get connected to it mm. you know but i can't help it because right. you know i've put so much time and energy and thought and everything to it but you know i am happy that mm. you know that it's for someone who will cherish it and you know love it oh you know just listening to just various parts of your journey that you've shared today like i just i'm thinking about you know we always talk about the value of knowing who you are knowing your history, 
you know, really holding on to that language, you know, you've mentioned, you know, we, we as people are storytellers naturally, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, as I've been listening to you, I'm just like, man, just these are things that we need to continue to talk about, right? Like the value of knowing who you are, knowing your the journey that your ancestors took, you know, to get to one place, from one place to another. I'm just like so moved by things that you shared. And I was, yeah, like knowing your history and your language, like how, like, how has that really helped you just to keep continuing this work and to keep mm. making those connections between the past and where you are now as an artist? Well, it's it's sort of crazy to say. Um, and I've seen this on TikTok. Um, you know, a couple <laughs> people have said, like, you know, like people said Tedil would never, you know. I'd never get a job in Te Reo. I'd never make mm. a living in Te Reo. You know, like, I feel the same way. Mm. Like, with, you know, my culture has taken me all over the world. You know, I've lived in all places and every place that I've gone, <laughs> my culture has been my lifeline. You know? So, it's just, you know, who... Who said that? Probably colonizers. That? Yeah. <laughs> Probably that's like, that colonizer. It's that Western like mentality, right? That Eurocentric yeah. think. I mean, you know, like and it. Yeah, and I've heard it in my own family. I've heard it mm. in my own family, and you know, like for me, you know, I am, I am truly. I don't think about it that way that much because mm. I've always believed in it. I've always believed mm. that, you know, our culture is so special. You know, I've never sort of doubted that. Mm. But, yeah, if I look back and I say, like, well, wow, so everywhere that I've been, like, you know, my culture has, you know, been a part of my time there. And, mm. you know, there's never been a, a place that I've been that I haven't, you know, been able to, um, you know, have my culture, you know, be a part of, you know, my culture, whether it be like through, you know, connecting with other Māori there and, you know, having our gatherings and, you know, or like my art or, you know, performing. I've always performed in every place that I've been. Mm. You know, there's always been an opportunity to perform and, so like for me it's who <laughs> you know what better what better way to you know live life than to sort of have your culture you know as a tool as a you know sort of something that enables you to do anything you want <laughs> do anything mm. you want no matter where no matter where you are in the world and i think nowadays like we do see that like nowadays mm. and with social media we do see so many examples of how you know our culture has t has taken individuals mm. you know you know far and wide and you know to the highest peaks and you know the highest successes and you know I, we're going to see more and more of it it's just you know it's inevitable mm. do you, i was wondering if you have um 
if perhaps in the future you would like to open a shop or a gallery where you can showcase just because you're not just one thing as I've mentioned already there yeah. are just so many layers to your identity and who you are as an artist do you have anything like is that kind of like yeah. a dream yeah so many so many dreams and aspirations that I you know I'm getting up there in age but <laughs> You know, I, I, there's always time. I don't mm. feel like I'm in a hurry to, mm. to like be anything or when I say be anything or like, you know, have a clothing line or like, mm. I'm not in a hurry to do all of that. I am in a hurry to learn and experience and hone my craft more. Like that's my goal every day. Like there's not enough time in the day to, really perfect what I know and hone my skills. Mm. That's, that's what I do feel a time limit on. Um, but yes, I would love to have a shop and, you know, be, I get a lot of people. I'm so grateful for all the people that support and follow my work. Mm. Um, I do feel a little bad that like, you know, not everyone can buy things um but like i said i own <laughs> i it's only my two hands i wish i had you know six kids six kids to <laughs> teach and do this but no it's just me so um yeah i'd love one of my greatest goals is to be able to you know teach others mm. and to be able to um build you know build skills skills mm. in people and you know be able to um nurture younger generations that want to um pursue this i'm like honestly i'm like who would want to pursue it <laughs> in this day and age it's so it's such a you know it's so different you know it's a whole different kind of learning and it it takes a lot of time and energy to be good at it but you know i i know that there are a lot of young people that are hungry to learn um and don't have access to teachers um so i'd love to i'd love to do that one day but yep all mm -hmm. of the above shop clothing line mm -hmm. online shop you know fashion shows you name it, you name it, but that's so cool. It's coming. It's coming one day. We'll be watching for that. You know, you mentioned like weaving books, right? Like learning from mm. weaving books. And I was wondering, um, I know you said you're hands on. So perhaps is there, do you think that perhaps you will, maybe someone can do the right, like create a weaving book where, I don't know. Like, do you yeah. think that that could be something you would also do? Because I feel like you, there's just so much knowledge <laughs> that you have to pass on to the next generation and to share. Like, perhaps years from now, there'll be someone holding a book, learning how to weave oh, from, yeah, oh, Hone maybe. Bailey. This is a book that Hone Bailey, <laughs> you know, like, I know you said you're more hands-on, um, but maybe it could be like a visual type. Uh, yeah, like a video. I mean, yeah kind of i mean i don't YouTube know like, videos. 
yeah like maybe creating more of yeah. that content but uh, like i i get it because you there's only one hone bailey <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. well the other thing is there are you know you know there are legendary weavers who have already done this right you know and so and have but maybe your particular kind of like style I mean, I mean i don't know i don't know yeah yeah potentially um yes yes to it i would say you know i would be open to it um but i always recommend people to you know the people who have gone before me mm. you know the people who have gone before me there you know have much more experience than i do so mm. if anyone wants to learn i'm always like you know go here go there go to the source you know they are people who have held the knowledge longer than i have and have much more much more to offer and experience mm. to to them yeah i'm open to people learning from me but you know why not learn from you know actually you know it's always looking up you know for us right. in maori culture it's always acknowledging the ones who have gone before Mm. you know so i have plenty of time you know in my life to to you know have an influence or to help guide people but you know mm. for now um i definitely like encourage people to to look to those who who have who have done it for a long time and who are actual mm -hmm. leaders in in this craft solid solid <laughs> that makes um, <laughs> it makes yeah. sense it makes sense yeah. and so do you have a book recommendation or you know yeah. like a go-to uh in yeah terms so of this weaving? book is um this was the book well this is the version a newer mm. version of the book that my dad gave me when i was 14 from the library so mine was like a green book, but this mm. was reprinted. Uh, so it's Maori weaving um, with Erenora Puketapu Hetted. And um, incredible book, absolutely incredible. A lot of information in it for anyone who wants to um, start weaving or, you know, sort of build their collection of weaving resources there's so many mm. um but i remember you know having this book for so many years i feel bad that i actually lost the copy i had it for years i lost the copy that my dad because i never returned it <laughs> <laughs> to the library <laughs> oh you're one of them okay <laughs> <laughs> so I still had the book after like years, years. Um, but so going back to your corridor about um, you know people wanting to learn. So Edenora Puketapu Hetet, her daughter Veronora Hetet. She has a online weaving school um, that can be accessed by anyone around the world, um, but. I really sort of have a lot of love uh, for their whanau because of this book and because of their love for teaching mm. and how it sort of was so um, crucial in my own learning. 
especially when I had no teacher to teach me. Mm. So, um, yeah, this will always be a book that I just will have so many, so much love for. Um, the path of learning a traditional craft is not easy. Mm. Um, it's not always accessible to find a teacher or, you know, it's just sometimes it just doesn't happen for people. Mm. And so I'm, I'm grateful for my path. I wouldn't have changed anything that happened on my path um, of learning. And um, I've had so many teachers. So that's another question I get asked. Like you've asked me, like, who mm. taught me? Like so many people. I've mentioned a couple, but there are so many more um, that have helped nurture me in my, in my path. Um, so, yeah. Whatever, mm. whatever access you can get to any resource, mm. um, get it, find it, use it, and you'll accumulate more resources or connect with someone that's right for you. Um, but, yeah. Man, Hone, I've learned so much from you today. Seriously, I've learned so much from you today and you know as um oh blown away and you know before we uh wrap up the podcast mm -hmm. I, I really just wanted to just say thank you for sharing a bit of your craft your art a bit of you on the show today like you know as i've really as i've said right throughout there are just so many layers to your you know, so many layers to your artwork and, and your craft. And hopefully today people have seen some of those different layers. Um, but just the gems that you've dropped today, I mean, it's really inspirational. Eh? And I love that you're just you're just doing your thing. You know, you're out there um, just doing you and inspiring. Just being me. Just, just being you <laughs> and inspiring, you know, um, not just, you know, Māori people, not just your people, but just everyone. Like, I know you have a lot of followers who follow your Instagram and, um, you know, see the works that you're making, and that's really cool. Um, but just thank you. It is a blessing. Like, I feel so blessed that I've crossed paths with you, and I know that the pandemic kind of, like, shut a lot of our stuff yeah. down. But yeah. it truly is an honour to just have shared the stage with you um, and you've taught us waiata and and just man your passion and 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 all that for your culture like it's it's such an honor to have been under your tutelage even though it was a short time you know what i no, mean so no, no, no. i i truly appreciate that and i'm just grateful and thankful yeah to have crossed paths with you and you know as we wrap up before we wrap up the show like i said you've dropped so many uh valuable gems today but i was wondering um yeah like as we wrap up and we think about young you know rangatahi who are out there um looking to you know embark on a, a a career or maybe take a pathway that you know leads to different art forms uh what advice or encouragement uh would you have for them um as you kind of like reflect on your years mm. coming up as an artist 
just keep going <laughs> follow follow the voice inside of you that's telling mm. you or guiding you and no matter what anyone says mm. you know because i've had people from the very beginning discouraging me from doing this you know do not listen to anyone else but the voice in you guiding you it's you know it's it's guiding you there for a reason so that's one two um don't ever give up keep going keep making you know keep, you know keep doing it <laughs> uh number three is you know we live in an age where we can connect to anyone really so my third advice would be to reach out to someone you know someone who does it someone who you can learn from reach out to them and you know ask them if you know you'll ask them for help or advice or you know if they'll be willing to guide you you know tutor you in some way like um and if people don't respond like it's okay don't let it get you down like someone will come along who's meant to be a teacher a guide you know guidance to you and um it'll be the right person um if anyone like i've offered this you know on my instagram you know if anyone wants to wants any advice or ask any questions or you know like i'm more than happy to to help you know so you can reach out to me anytime or about anything regarding my mahi honestly i want to you know but because i live in another country like it's hard for mm. me to um tutor people like in you know face to face but i'm so happy to um provide any resources or any information videos or anything to anyone so um just yeah just keep going and and you know your your path will cut you know your path your journey will become clearer to you the longer you do it and you know the more you know dedication and time you dedicate to it so yeah i'm so happy <laughs> thank you rosa thank you so much for um allowing me to share a little bit you know about who i am and what i do i don't really talk on my own instagram <laughs> or share anything so i appreciate these opportunities to talk and i feel comfortable talking with you because we know each other and you know i love you and you know we've had you know in real life so we know each other and, <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> yeah, yeah so, um, and i want to thank you too you know so you know thank you for loving my culture and um representing my culture here in japan you know performing your beautiful voice um and um you know that's important for other people in other countries to see who we are and um you know what our culture is so i really 
Thank you. And there are other people who are not Māori who also mm. represent our culture here and um, share it so beautifully. And um, so thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> get emotional. Let me stop. <laughs> stop. <Yeah. laughs> no, I appreciate But yeah, that. I hope that we are able, <laughs> now that things are opening up, that we can, you know, continue to or resume Oh, our, hopefully. Our again, again and hopefully. I think, you know, I think we've all like, we need to sing again and dance again. Yeah. We've forgotten yes. everything. And it and, was just and, an awesome space to, to for us to get together and mm. to connect, you know, in that space. So I, I miss that so much. That's yeah. been so hard not being able to do that. So. Hard out. 